Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and DCRadio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. I'm Wendy Cherry, and I'm your host, and I'm excited about today's topic and guest. So my guest is Miss Lily Wilson. And I'm going to read her bio, which was pretty dope. I like what she said in it. It was one of the ones that stood out to me. She says, in all caps, mind you, I am unapologetic, unashamed, unique. I'm a preacher, author, singer, songwriter, youth advocate, mentor, creative spirit, woman, lover, mother, daughter, sister, friend, healer. Now, that's a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's a lot of stuff. So we're going to have to talk about how you wear all those hats. Oh, absolutely. Because that's a different role for each thing. And so in 2015, she founded The Beautiful Dawn, and it is a lifestyle brand and blog that inspires women to live genuine, bold, and passionate lives. So even more, in 2016, she released her first published work, The Love Diet, and we're going to get more into that. And um, it is a participant guide that helps you on a 22-day process toward 100% self-love and authenticity. And now she has her second book, The Journey to Love, which is now a 60-day intentional self-love. And it actually releases very, very soon. So we'll want to know all about how to get that. Welcome, Lily. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. So I would like to talk about the first time that I met you. And we didn't necessarily meet. Mm -hmm. I came to an event that you were speaking at, at the whole Women's Symposium. It might have been about two years ago. And... um, you know, you, you're, she's, she's, how tall are you? Five, two and a half. Yeah. You got to give me the half. Yes, she's, <laughs> she's five, two and a half. And um, she just came up and she was one of the speakers. And what she was saying and how powerfully she was delivering the message, I wasn't necessarily ready for it to be coming out of such a small little package. And she was just talking about, you know, some of the, um, basically she was talking about some of the things that we were told when we were younger that was passed down to us is not necessarily um, going to further what we're doing in this generation. It worked for the past generation, but it doesn't necessarily work for us. And it was in, it was within a spiritual context and a rich and a religion Context. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ooh, she can say that. <laughs> and nobody tackled her down. <laughs> nobody made her sit down. Nobody said anything. Mm-hmm. And but I totally agreed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, she's saying what people who are in a new circle that I'm attracting to myself are saying. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to whisper those things. Because mm-hmm. if you say those out loud, depending on where you are, you might get sat down. Oh my goodness. Yeah, or tackled down oh or hershed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that was when I first that's when she first came on my radar. And then after that I kind of just follow you know how like you can follow anybody on Instagram and all the social media. So I started to follow her and I just liked how she was presenting her information and just how she just looked like she was living life. We actually happened to be in Bali together at the same time in different places in Bali. So, you know, I was just like, I need to get her on my show. So welcome. I'm glad to have you here. So let's talk about how you like, just tell us a little bit more about how you wear all these hats. So I just named a lot of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. How do you wear all those hats? Like, who is Lily Wilson? Okay, so uh, I entered into this world as um, a preacher's kid. Okay. My parents are pastors here in Washington, D.C., and my father has always had a holistic view of God. Okay. Um, and we always practiced um, Kwanzaa, you know, Christmas too, but it was a lot of emphasis on Kwanzaa, a lot okay. of emphasis on knowing yourself, knowing thyself. And he would actually infuse um, information into his sermons without okay. calling them that. Mm-hmm. So the chakras, he mm-hmm. would, yeah, not by that name, but he would speak on the different levels, desires, urges, you know, all of those things and kind of break that down. So there was that foundation there to continue to seek mm-hmm. and to always, um, to not always take the Bible literally. However, we were in a context where um, we were surrounded by Christians that practiced Christianity in a conventional, kind of more traditional way. So um, all of these titles, names, um, I evolved over time, you know, from the preacher's kid to now I know I'm called to preach, you know, at about, I don't know, 17, 18. Okay. Uh, So, but what does that look like? Right. Because I'm already different. I'm already not feeling a lot of the environment. I'm not feeling um, the fact that I'm suppressed as a young woman Mm. and, um, you know, given, not given tools, but told not to do certain things. So I always had questions and those seeds seeds were planted as a kid. So as I evolved, you know, I really started to embrace my spiritual gifts, you know, at first from a Christian perspective and Mm -hmm. All of that. And then I started to really discover, like, who is this person? You know, as a preacher's kid of open minded pastors, Mm -hmm. you know, I was given that go, that green. But then being a part of that Christian environment, you know, it's it's like, who am I as a healer? You know, I was told many times by prophets, you are a healer. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Right. But the shape of it. As I started to evolve, mm-hmm. you know, all of these roles, preacher, singer, songwriter, it, it took a different shape. And I'm from D.C., but when I got to Atlanta, it grew me up in a way okay. that I cannot even explain. So a lot of these titles and things that where I evolved and where I started to really come into my own, it's, it's just like Atlanta was a big part of that a big part of that and you went to Atlanta for school I went to Atlanta um, I went to Spelman um, undergrad and then I went to Emory and received my Master of Divinity and so within that I'm just like okay when I write songs as a singer a songwriter I don't want to just sing about I want to sing what comes from my heart I don't want to be restricted and told that I can't sing about certain topics or talk about certain topics Mm -hmm. so it's just this evolution of Lily from, you know, that preacher's kid that had those seeds planted to going to Atlanta and reading, you know, books, you know, that compared the Jesus narrative to some other narratives. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, going to seminary, which is just like, it also just opens, blows your mind up, you know, in so many different ways because there's so many different perspectives and you don't have to embrace them all, but the possibilities, you know, and opening your mind to that. So I just started to manifest Lily as a healer, singer, songwriter, and all these different aspects. Um, I was featured on a gospel album when I first touched down in Atlanta. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, okay, this is a part of me. We, I've always been singing and connected to the gospel industry, but I'm like, but this is also like what I want to talk about, love and hurt and all these other things and not be restricted. Right. So all of these titles and you know roles that I play have just evolved over time, always been creative, always been different. And even when I was called to the ministry, I'm like, I had red dreads in my hair at a point in time and I'm like no one looks like me right no one looks like me so what does this look like so I I began to you know discover and plant my feet in what it looked like to me okay so now let me just go back for a second your parents had a more open-minded view where did they get such an open-minded view from 
Uh, on my father's side, his mom, she may have been Baptist, but she had a group uh, that met, um, I think on Sunday afternoons, of AMEs, Baptists, and just different women that would come together. And some of that is kind of taboo because a, mm-hmm. a lot of people have attachments to their denomination. Oh, yeah. So even to see that as mm-hmm. an early um you know, and at an early age, it was powerful for him. Mm-hmm. But also, he had just so many encounters with spirit that just, you know, it's like he was like anointed, like you are going to do something different. Right. So he had that passion, and it developed over time. And he ended up studying Howard Thurman and some of the great theologians at Howard Divinity. Okay. My mom, she had her own evolution. She grew up AME, I believe, and. Um, at a certain point that didn't resonate so she ended Mm -hmm. up going to the Church of God in Christ Mm -hmm. so she had that openness and that fluidity but also as a teen she was told her skirt was too short (laughs) and then understanding that wait I'm a spiritual person it's not about what I wear Right. so she had that evolution as well like I'm going to choose this church for myself at a young age and I'm going to keep wearing my skirts right and to do that at that time was very revolutionary right and then her grandmother my great grandmother was a spiritualist but she went to a regular church I don't know Baptist I don't know by day and then Mm -hmm. in the afternoon she had her spiritualist church in her living room so all of that um, my mom if anyone's familiar with Lily Dale my mom used to go to Lily Lily Dale when she was younger that's like a hub for spiritual spiritualist gotcha okay so all of that all of that Mind you, my parents did not tell us all of this stuff until we were older. Okay. So I'll just say that uh, we knew the openness was there and that we wouldn't be rejected Rejected. by bringing it home. Right. But when I started telling my dad what I was learning, he's going to his bookshelf and he's pulling out stuff. So he did not, they did not impose anything. Mm -hmm. But all of us did our own. There's four of us, (laughs) two girls, two boys. So all of us did our own evolving. And then we came back to the tables like, oh, I've studied the same thing. Okay. So it was amazing, actually to um, have that environment and to grow up in that context. It's interesting when, you, when you've when mentioned Baptist a few times and you've also mentioned AME. So my mom did not go to church. Mm. I only went to church when I was real young, when I came I'm from Jersey, only when I went to Virginia mm. in the summer times. Mm-hmm. So my grandparents would take me and my sister to church. Um, and they were Baptists. I'm talking Eastern Shore, mm-hmm. very small town. They serious with it. We were there all day. Mm-hmm. Then we had association. Then mm-hmm. we had all type of things. Homecoming, yeah. like mm-hmm. it was a thing, right? Yeah. And then, um, and it really was a great environment for me. I could sit there. I was learning a lot. I was wa- I was watching everything that was happening. I used to like the big, the teenage girls, I could sit with them and dig in their pocketbooks. And, <laughs> but I always knew like I couldn't do communion. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother used to like almost try to force me when the doors of the church were open. Wow. She would try to force me to go up. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then I and this is as a little kid. Mm -hmm. So I became stressed out Mm. right before I knew it was time for the doors of the church to be open because I didn't want to go because I didn't know what it meant. Right. And I remember her like hitting me a few (laughs) times and nudging me. And she was like, you should go up. And I'm like, I ain't going. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back to Jersey during the school year, this um, preacher moved to our town who was an AME preacher and he had a van and he came and picked up all the kids on the block and around in our community and he Mm. would bring us to church. Mm. So my grandma was mad Mm. because I actually was baptized, sprinkled, as Mm -hmm. she said, Uh as AME. Mm -hmm. And she was mad. Wow. She was mad about it. And so, but I never had anybody sit down and explain to me. I just thought it was all, she would be happy because I'm going to church. Right. But the AME thing and then the Baptist thing and then some other little things, it's serious. It is. And and when you're in that mindset, you know, I can see how me as a little kid, I was confused. I Mm -hmm. thought it was all one and it really is. I mean, we know it all is. Right. But just how serious people get into the tunnel vision of their um, their way is the right way. Absolutely. So it can be a little off-putting. Oh, absolutely. Right. So you're blessed to be able to have had a little fluidity, you know, in yes. your experience and growing up. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So I take those things that I learned back then and then I kind of infuse them 
um, with what I'm doing now mm-hmm. and I'm doing lots of things now. Yeah, you know what I'm absolutely. saying? I, I definitely just don't subscribe to one and I feel so much more free, yes. you know, in that way. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how you got to, um, so you're out of college, mm-hmm. then you're out of seminary mm-hmm. and then you're in the real world. Yes. And so what does that look like? And then how does that lead you to then writing your first book? Okay, so with the music, I was in a band called Freestyle Nation and and also simultaneously um, built an organization for preacher's kids. Oh, okay. So it was like we were creating these environments where we could be ourselves. And with the band, we were performing music about love, you know, had, a, a you know, some God in there, some love and basically saying that God is love, mm-hmm. you know, and that why can't we sing these songs about love? You know, why does it have to be the separation of R&B and gospel? I actually did a paper about it, hmm. the sacred songs of African-Americans, because it's all sacred. Right. Blues to gospel, same chords, you know, um, all of it evolved and it evolves from our experience. So it's all sacred. Right. So going from there, um, even though I grew up in an environment that was open, most of our colleagues Mm -hmm. were fundamentally and conservatively Christian. Gotcha. So just trying to find my way there, I continued to evolve in the gospel industry and I was featured on another album. And then I was, um, I toured with a couple of gospel artists and was on their, and I was on their projects and got to the point where I was just like, okay, there's Lily over here Mm -hmm. and there's Lily over here. Right. And I'm tired of doing both. So at some point we got to go forward. We have to bring the two together and be fully integrated and, you know, just accept, you know, just accept all parts of myself and create an environment where I can flourish right. in every aspect of myself. So right. um, around 2013, when I got pregnant with my daughter, mm-hmm. I graciously bowed out of the gospel industry. Okay, um, I decided to stop hiding. Okay. I decided to be authentic about who I am. Yes. You know, you may have heard me use the term witchy, you know, yeah. when, when you heard me <laughs> speaking, but I just, I used that terminology to speak of just the fact that I'm embracing, you know, other aspects of African religion yes, and infusing and in a way my, my church again, my family, we had that, those elements there with the libations and so forth, but just wanting to be totally out there mm-hmm. and authentic, no matter who cares, no matter who uh, honors it or accepts it. Right. So we got to, I got to that point where I just, for my daughter and for myself, wanted to um, be authentic. And I gave birth to her and she also gave birth to me. That's right. Because I, I wanted to protect her, but I also wanted to um, create an environment where she could be her authentic self. Okay. So 2013, I had her and, you know, just kind of took my time. As I evolved and I just, you know, I started a blog first and I'm like, okay, let's put my feelers out there and just see, you know, just like one of my blog posts was, you know, coming out the closet. Okay. And um, I started doing this 22 day process. Um, Exactly. uh, I guess around September, July. July 2015 um, I started the process and I started um, having people participate in this 22 day process and we were um, um, building this thing I didn't even know that I was going to end up writing a book but as I went through the process I was writing the book Mm -hmm. and I'm like just do this with me I wanted to do a year I'm like, because spirit impressed upon me, what would happen if you loved on yourself with intention for a year? And I'm like, okay, I'm not ready for that. Right. (laughs) That's a lot of loving. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of loving. So let's do this 22-day process. And I did it a couple times. And after a while, I'm like, I'm going to release this as a book. So um, I decided to do that. And it evolved into the Love Diet Participant Guide. And it was specifically um, supposed to be utilized as an aid to get you through that 22-day process. But so many people are purchasing it now, you know, even if they don't participate in the group process, Mm -hmm. they just um, purchase the book to encourage them and enhance their self-love practice and self-care practice. So let's 
put the pin there mm-hmm. and then let's move back to you started the blog yes you got pregnant uh-huh. now how was that received and then what were like the top three things that gave you the courage to just be like I still just gotta be this authentic self and then even maybe before that how did you know what that was how were you able to come to this is the authentic part of me and maybe this is not so I'm gonna let this go how did you know that I knew that because um, of certain gifts that I have that I could not necessarily share. And um, I did not have the environment that would support that. Okay. So, for instance, my connection to the spiritual world, I am a person that I kind of, I stand on the line, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yep. Um, I stand on the line and I can, I know when babies are coming and I know when people are transitioning to another realm. Okay. Wow. Uh, you may call that medium or however. Yeah. Um, so being able to function in those capacities with freedom mm-hmm. was important to me. Right. And not have people look at me crazy. Right. <laughs> because okay. <of> the <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the basis of it. Okay. Basically having an environment to be my authentic self in the gospel industry was not that because some of that is labeled a certain way. Right. It's different if a prophet says it or if right. they lace it with a certain language. Right. But that wasn't my language and it also right. manifested differently. So I just wanted to function fully in that right and in an environment that supported that okay so so the so maybe a few things that gave you the courage like what were the tools that you used or the actions that you used to just push past maybe having fear or push past any pushback that you may have gotten Mm, I think the number one thing was nesting you Mm. know while I was carrying my daughter okay I could not fake it and I had so many like I don't know uh, judgments opinions and a couple darts also a lot of love too yeah um, and acceptance but I created such a love nest around my daughter and around myself as I was carrying her okay so that was basically my number one motivation as I get a little emotional yeah that's Um, beautiful that was my motivation okay because like I said, I wanted her to be authentic. And I can't, I chose not to raise her in an environment that did not support that because what if she had those same gifts? Right. I want her to be able to say, I talked to great grandma so and so last night. Right. And it'd be normal. Right. You know, so that was number one. That's beautiful. And you know what? I'm My daughter's 15. Yeah. She'll be 16 in a month or two. Mm-hmm. And she, we were having an issue recently, mm-hmm. right? And we were trying to get a decision made and we did not have the answers. <laughs> and I'm like, look, sis, I don't have an answer. <laughs> I, I don't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what we're going to do. So yeah. we went to the answer. We have an ancestral altar, yes. right? And so we went to it. Yeah. And we did our giving and receiving and pleading grandma me could you um yes. please right yeah, you yeah. know and I tried to make it very easy for her and you know she knows that they love that she didn't know any of them really but yeah. she knows that they love me they love my mom and my sister so I said they gonna have to do it mm-hmm. and so then one day she said recently this was all in like the last three weeks mm-hmm. month mm-hmm. and then recently she said mommy I talked to the ancestors and, and then she said well, that's just just between us, so mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna tell you. Okay. And on the inside, I was like, <laughs> "She's getting it." Yes. And then I was like, Hype. "Oh, you're not gonna tell me? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good." But then it it resolved itself, yes. and it resolved itself so easily. Mm-hmm. And now we just moving on. So that's awesome that you raised her like that, yes. and you created her, and you held her like that. Because yes. I just really have been on my journey maybe the last six or seven years. Mm-hmm. So she was already like. Nine, ten, going, mommy. What you talking about? We ain't going to church. <laughs> what you mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. They got the good mac and cheese yeah. at the church. What you mean we're not going? Right. You don't let me eat mac and cheese. Right. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I, I love that story. Yes. And that's beautiful that you were able to do that. Mm-hmm. So the um, how did you integrate your in- authenticity and really standing in it and nesting for yourself? How did you? How did you then birth your baby and then birth your project? Uh, With much intention and Mm -hmm. meditation, Mm -hmm. I 
made sure that I was in like constant meditation and prayer while I was preparing for her entry into the world. And um, that that is what uh, helped me to evolve into this whole process for the love diet. And it gave me a foundation and it really centered me. And I've I found myself evolving even to another level of spirituality. I've always had a strong sense of spirituality, but mm-hmm. you know, carrying my daughter, it was just it took me to a whole other level mm-hmm. in terms of knowing myself, knowing my body, you know, um feeling her move for the first time in like a concert, this little blurb of a feeling. Yeah. You know, all of that is so spiritual. So getting grounded was important and knowing myself and you know I got to know myself even more as I stood firm you know and even as you know I was met with you know certain reactions Mm -hmm. just by carrying her Mm -hmm. it's just my desire became I'm just gonna be myself right (laughs) you know I'm gonna surround myself with authenticity um and I'm gonna birth her in the same Spirit, And so with this spirit, the same spirit of authenticity and love and self-love and devotion, we um, I went into this process and um, some of the young women that participated with me, their energy was just amazing. OK, you know, so and did I, you do like a study group for it. No, I okay. just um, I just decided to do it. And I'm just I think I introduced it. Um, at one of the symposiums. Okay. And so many people signed up. Everybody didn't participate that signed up. Okay. And I offered it free for the first year, I believe. And, you know, out of it came the book. And like I said, I wanted to do a year-long process. And really, I'm going to do it yeah, soon. Yeah. I have a couple of women that they're, they've been watching the process. They're like, when you do the year, I okay. want to do it. Okay. So, you know, this 22 days. And, you know, sometimes I would do like the 30-day meditations with Deepak and Oprah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and so that was another way that it just centered me. And during those times, it's it's just like I birth things. Yes. You know, I get centered and grounded and focused and I birth things. Yeah. So this is, you know, where the book came from. Okay. Yeah. When I do the Oprah and Deepak, mm-hmm. I have a, a walk-in closet. I actually go into the walk-in closet and I do it legs up the wall. Oh, so yes. it's like the 20 minutes, I'm Absolutely. on my back. And then, I, and then the journaling is the best part. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. where you learn so much. Yes, okay. Absolutely. So now how did you get to name the book like where'd that name come from that's a cool name Mm, thank you uh the love diet um basically what you eat or consume that's who you are yes so many people think it has to do with actual dieting Mm -hmm. um from food and it can yeah you know if that's the way you love yourself but the love diet is just consuming love it's surrounding yourself with and embracing love Fully and completely again in that whole year, you know, I'm just like, oh, spirit, I'm not ready for that yet. Right. But if you can imagine what that process will look like, you know, over a year time, year's time to really pour the love in and intentionally pour the love in. So what does that look like? So it sounds cool mm-hmm. and it sounds like let's pour the love in. Mm-hmm. But what, what are what is a way maybe three ways to actually pour love into yourself because many people don't even know. And women who look like us, women of color, we're used to pouring it into other people. Exactly. So how do you pour it into yourself without feeling guilty about it? Okay, so it was very important for me to define... you know who this book is for. Okay. This book is for people that have forgotten about themselves, yes. about their dreams, that have poured all the love into their children, their spouses, partners, um, people that um, are either by vocation or by nature mm-hmm. givers. Yeah. Always giving, always pouring out. So this is for you. You know, this is for um, the ones who have been taught that to love thy neighbor is better than loving yourself. Gotcha. Have been taught through religion to put other people first. Mm-hmm. So I break down the whole notion of the neighbor as self concept um, because it's like love your neighbor as yourself. And when I did the research and I've even preached about it, it's like there is no prerequisite mention. They're like, oh, you know, 
it's just implied. No, mm-hmm. it has to be intentional that you love yourself first. Because right. how can you love someone as yourself if you don't, don't love, love yourself? yourself? So basically, everyone is putting all this energy in loving the neighbor, forgiving the neighbor, giving to the neighbor, pouring out. So that's the first part, just acknowledging that it's not a uh, an implication, right. but it is actually a prerequisite and be right. intentional about that prerequisite to love yourself first right. because you have to have something to give in order to, you know, give it, right. you know, um, so that's the first thing to know that you're worthy. The other piece is, um, you know, before before you even get to some of the activities I say to practice, you know, you have to know you're worthy. But the other two is, number one, say no. Learn how to say no. It's a complete sentence. Yes, it is a complete <laughs> sentence, but you have to work at it, some of us. You do. So for um, the ones who participate in the process, I ask them to practice saying no for a week. Oh, yeah. You know, practice saying no um, and just say it. Just to everything, if you can, yeah. you know, if, even if you're at work, you know, like on the other side of Shonda rhymes mm-hmm. the year yes. of yes. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's that year sometimes, no. Sometimes, and sometimes a no is a yes because you say no to one thing, and you say yes and to then, yourself, yes, and other things, and other things come. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is date yourself. Okay, that sounds a little weird, but a lot of times we wait for other people to give us accolades for us to for them to spoil us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're partnered or we have a spouse, we're waiting for them to buy us the flowers and take us places. So one of the ways that you can love on yourself is by dating yourself. Buy yourself the flowers. Yep. Treat yourself. It could be something small like "Mm, this place on Capitol Hill that I go to, they have these teeny little pastries and I just buy one of them. It's like super teeny. It's like $2. Right. But that's just one of the ways that I treat myself. Right. And there are other ways, but you know, those are three that I can think of right offhand. Right. To, you know, know that you're worthy first. Right. Um, Put yourself first and uh, not just imply it, but make a prerequisite for you to pour the love in before your neighbor to say no mm-hmm. and the last one date yourself right now I love that date yourself and I love buy yourself whatever it is like I love yes. going to Trader Joe's all season and buying the different flowers <laughs> it's too. like I break them up I give some to my daughter oh in my her God. room I put them on my altar I put it in no, my living room same and I smile yes like they just look so pretty they and do. like in August I was all about the sunflowers mm-hmm. and they just it was the little things mm-hmm. It just made me feel good. It's the best. So now, when we're talking about loving ourselves, mm-hmm. and you know, now the the buzzword, like I like, it's a bypass of actually doing it. Mm-hmm. It's more that I see a lot of times the Instagram post mm-hmm. where you see somebody's little toesies <laughs> out there on the beach or mm-hmm. wherever and they're talking about self-care mm-hmm. right and maybe they didn't do any self-care but they took that picture and posted it on something right mm-hmm. so how do we get past the bypassing of that and really like get down to it and one of my friends um even drove it home more for me she said i moved past self-care i moved to self preservation mm. it's self-preservation at that point shout out to Ristacat. <laughs> and so you know it's um i've taken that approach okay. like some of my friends um and i'm a little bit older than some of the friends that i hang around okay. um i have this one group and they're always they're talking about self-care but they're still drive I, I watch them daily driving themselves down into the ground and then mm. it's a big deal if they went and did whatever they're considering self-care. Mm. And so I'm thinking like, it has to be part of the regimen. <clears throat> it has to be, I want us to move to where it becomes um, part of the everyday. It's, it's like not a something that you can barter. Okay. It's just, it has to happen. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so my, um, my baby sister is a masseuse. Mm-hmm. And when we work together, she talks to the women about how it's a necessity 
it's no longer where it's Mother's Day or it's Valentine's right. Day or, you know, you're about to have an intimate time with your partner that you're going to get a massage. No, it has to be a part of your self-care right. at all times. Yes. And so what do you talk about? Like, how do you get to make sure? I mean, and everybody has a choice, of course. Mm-hmm. You can do it or don't. You know what I mean? Right. But like, how can we really... Um, encourage women who are just like spent okay tired mm-hmm. and and just just need to really nail home that these this is less self-care and more preserving yourself right uh, what you speak of reminds me of um, what I call in my book uh, establishing a non-negotiable, non-negotiable. you know for instance uh, for most of us um, we have watched the men in our families, our partners, or so forth, um, engage in ritual, yeah. so football, yes. basketball, and the it man is cave. non-negotiable. Right. If they go to the bar a certain day of the week, um, if they whatever gatherings they are religious about, yes. you know, um, we might get mad <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're so religious about it and they're mm-hmm. so consistent with it, but. Um, Establishing your non-negotiables are important. It's very important. And one of mine has been yoga. Okay. And it doesn't matter what yours is. You know, I think it's just important to be relentless about it. Right. So you can make a list of one thing. You know, you can have one thing on the list. You know, just like, you know, your spouse or partner's might be golf you know Mm -hmm. you can have one or you can have several Mm -hmm. you know such as the flowers that we like to get from Trader Joe's you can have several and those kind of things that's how you set up your environment you know pay attention to the things that bring you joy pay attention to the things that calm you take the time out and that kind of goes with your no you know because when you establish your non-negotiable and someone's pulling you over here it's like no you know I talk about it in the book or maybe in one of my calls I'm not sure I think um, during the process I talked about how um, I established my non-negotiable is yoga yes but one of my team members uh, at at the church I work at the church okay um, okay they needed something from me and I knew I had to leave by a certain time right they ended up closing the doors on me you know in my yoga class okay and it just taught me how whatever they need can wait yeah you know especially when I'm headed to my non-negotiable right because it's not an option for me right so it's a part of my sanity right it's a part of my self-care and it's very important that I maintain those things and I'll say it depends like you you said you mentioned the the pictures or whatever it is trending the whole self-care yeah. thing but the ocean is a sanctuary for me. Yes. So it just really depends, I think, on the approach and like r- the understanding. Right. You know, and how you, you know, really are caring for yourself mm-hmm. and just paying attention to those moments where you need a break. Right. You know, and you're not running yourself ragged. And right. then it's like, selfie, hey, self care. Right. right. But it's like you really are not going nuts and on the edge of the ledge you know and right. just you know engaging it just to be trendy right you know it's important to really do the things that bring you joy and be intentional about it right I think um you were saying that it can be simple mm-hmm. and that's the part that I love whatever just like makes me smile or makes me laugh that keeps the vibrations high right. you know what I'm saying Absolutely. so it can be just when I walk into the house I see the flowers there and then I have them in my room and then I have them on the ledge and it's so small five ninety nine. Yes, but it's just so pretty <laughs> mm-hmm. and it just brightens up the whole thing and now even this morning I was going one of my um an orchid that lost the flowers a long time ago is is budding a new little green Whoa. bud. And I'm like, hey! <laughs> so I'm watering and squirting. I'm like, what you doing? Like, you came out of nowhere, yes. you know? And so it, that just made me laugh. That made me smile. That made me feel happy. So doesn't have to be that you have to go on vacation. Mm-hmm. Vacations are great. Yes, I love vacations. Absolutely. But it doesn't have to be that big. And so I'm teaching my daughter that too. Mm-hmm. Like when she's like, I don't want to do this or I don't like that, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, not absolutely. stuff that you have to do, but I'm right. saying if it, mommy, when I do this, it hurts. Well, then stop doing that. Right. Do what makes you smile. Do what makes you laugh. So she has her palette on the floor. Nice big old bed. 
you know, room is nice. This child is on the floor. Mm-hmm. So then she, I was like, well, why are you on the floor? Because it feels good down there. Well, knock yourself out. All right. Knock yourself out. So your baby is little. What are you telling her? Does she have a non-negotiable yet? Or how are you transferring this information to her at a young age? Um, I'm just teaching her that her voice is important. Okay. And right now, age five, five, that is the time that the voice is really coming forward. Okay. She's very opinionated. Okay. So I just, the foundation of that to me is honoring her voice. Okay. You know, and um, listening to her, because the other day she's like, Mommy, when I don't have class, when I don't have school, I would like to pick what activities we do. And so I'm like, okay, so mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Let's make a list right. of the activities you want to do. Right. So I think that, you know, is a is a starting point for her. Okay. You know, just listening to her voice and making sure she knows her voice is valuable. And right. I always reiterate that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yes. So now let's talk about the new book. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, let's talk about for the, the first one. Okay. What is your favorite chapter? And like, what is the favorite activity? And what, as it's been out, what kind of impact have you seen it have on the women who've participated? Well, I'll tell you for the first book, one thing that I did not mention is the garden concept. Okay. That is one part of the book that, you know, it's at the beginning. And I talk about how that's how I noticed that it was time for a change because we talk about flowers. Yes. My garden, I have this little urban garden and it was so nice. And I had all of these flowers and plants and I spent some time away from my home. Yep. And I was watering someone else's garden mm-hmm. figuratively. Mm-hmm. And when I returned, all of my flowers and plants uh, were dried up and withered. And it, it's the the garden concept. I, I really enjoy that part. And a lot of um, readers and participants really enjoy that part. It drives the whole notion of self-care home. It helps them to know that, you know, you can't be tilling the ground of someone else's garden <laughs> and watering someone else's garden right. and yours is desolate, destitute, dried up, withered. Right. You know, so it's important. And this is actually um, a very important part because I enjoy you know my little garden my my thumb is not green right but I do my best right and it brings me joy well it's so funny that you're saying that because I have two things on the watering the garden part mm-hmm. so one thing is my plant that I just talked about mm-hmm. I was in Thailand for two weeks mm-hmm. well I was in Asia for two weeks mm-hmm. and I left my plant out on the balcony and every other plant that I had five of them they all were dead mm. and this little plant that I'd had before the leaves were gone it's an orchid mm-hmm. was all dried up and and there was just like maybe one or two little green areas on it right right I cut those off I threw the other plants in the trash mm-hmm. cut that off and then I just kept it. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept watering it. So that was why it was so significant. I should have told that whole story. Yeah. But that was why it was so significant to see now another little bud coming. Mm-hmm. Because it was still life there. So her name is Vida. Yes. Vida, like for life, yes. you know, in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that I love about it. It just, she she fought. Yes. like And she survived. Yes. And now she's thriving, Absolutely. which is part of what I'm doing. Yeah. And then my other part about um, watering your garden when you're watering somebody else's garden. So one of my favorite, favorite people in the whole wide world, Dr. Vicki Johnson, one time told me that you need to Water your garden and get your check. Ooh. Right? Yeah. So I did that for many years. Mm-hmm. I watered my garden. I did my own thing on the side, but I still got my check. Yeah. And so that's another thing to do mm-hmm. to um, self-preserve yes. and do self-care. Yes. And just a great lesson for me. Yes. So now I'm watering my own garden and I'm still getting them checks. Yes. But one thing about that is that you... Got rid of the dead parts. Man. And that's one aspect of the garden concept that is very important. Right. You know, my mother mentioned that to me. And when I looked it up and, you know, the the leaves or the flowers are competing. 
Mm, you know, mm-hmm. so the dead parts are actually taking in and competing for the nutrients. Right. So it's like when you look at your life, there are parts of you that want to thrive, mm-hmm. but there are some things that have got to go. Yeah. But they're competing for your intention and they're competing for your energy. So you need to prune those parts away so that the parts that want to thrive will thrive. Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. So what about your new book? Like what? So you had this process of writing your book. Yes. Was it easier the second time around? Did you have more of a like a template to follow? And then what? Tell us more about it. No template necessarily. Okay. Um, at 5.55 a.m. on June 5th, 2016, I woke up. Okay. And I was. I was a little lost. I was lost. And I just decided I'm about to go on this journey. I'm about to pour. It's it's time to pour some more love in. It's time to be intentional and birth something. And I put it on social media. So many people followed. It was not going to be a book. It was just a process. That's one thing about me is aside from meditation, yoga, I know how to arrest Myself, I know how to get in tune with what I need at that particular time. Okay. So I'm like, stop the press, hold up, wait a minute. You know, something is just not flowing right. Mm-hmm. So I just started the 60-day process. There was no template. I posted a picture every day, and I said, day one. Okay. Like, this is what is going on. And, you know, whatever was in my spirit, however I chose to support myself that day, that is what I put out there. Mm-hmm. And once I was done, you know, those who participated or who were on the sidelines watching my process were like, turn it into a book. And I'm like, okay. okay. So I snatched everything down. Okay. And um, I decided yeah. to put it in book form. Okay. Yes. Okay. So when you had it on social, you had people participating with you yes from time to time just like with the love diet um the 22 day process i had people to participate now for the 60 day i didn't invite anyone to register or anything Mm -hmm. you know i'm just like if you want to join in so be it and like some people were kind of like yes you know i'm gonna do it with you but it wasn't really formal you know the love diet is more um the first book is kind of like um more participant oriented Mm -hmm. the second one is just like you know I probably will engage a process you know with like minded people Mm -hmm. but it's you know this is called a participant guide but the second book is just like you could engage the 60 days on your own you can split it up in 30 and just do 30 and come back to the other 30 when you want or just pick it up and pick a reflection for the day. Okay. You know, so it's a little bit different. So what are some of the things that they can do over the 60 days? Um, it's just, a, it's, well, one of them is, um, it's basically comprised of reflections and motivations. So okay. it's not as in, you know, it doesn't have a lot of instructions. Like this is more like a process, like a formal process. Okay. But it has um a portion where you reflect on what I've shared. Okay. So for instance, one of them is I, I don't have to do the heavy lifting, huh. you know? Um, so I'm just talking about some of the ways that, you know, is there something that you've been carrying that's been too heavy for you? Is there something that you have been putting too much energy to that you just need to surrender? You know, that's, you know, one example. Another example is when I went away to, um, my grandparents' house in um, Hampton, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And there's this big tree where we used to gather, mm-hmm. you know, and I just prayed and I touched the tree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that one of my reflections was, you know, basically, what are your family heirlooms? What are um, the ways that your ancestors have set the bar? You know, what are the, what can you tap into, you know, wow. that your ancestors have left for you? Right. So that's just an example. Like each day is more so like isolated as right. opposed to the love diet participant guide which is more of a process and it's split up into you know week one this is what you're doing and it's giving instructions um the journey to love is more so just you know daily motivation so it just and it's because it's a little longer of course it takes the self-love process a little bit further because mm-hmm. it takes a bit more discipline mm-hmm. to do that especially mm-hmm. when it's on your own right um but yeah, they're just a little bit different, but the same concept, self-love, self-care, authenticity. So how um, 
it hasn't been released yet, so you don't have any feedback on how people how, have you how they're being impacted by it yet? No, okay. no feedback on the journey to love. Just um, just a couple of people that edited it for me. Okay, you know, um, have commented, you know, that it's powerful and that they just can't wait. And you know, and well, especially. Since I put the journey on my Instagram, I did get a lot of feedback then. Okay. You know, that's mm-hmm. where the whole motivation to turn it into a book came from. Mm-hmm. Just that whole process. You know, one of the days is I love my body. Right. You know, just celebrating your body, right. you know, as is every right. part from the bone showing <laughs> right. to whatever else. You know, I love my body. So it just will help enhance your self-care and motivate you to continue to pour the love in right Mm -hmm. so i can't wait to read it and i can't wait to you know do my 60 days and then potentially when i finish my classes and pass my tests and finish everything then i want to do that year (laughs) because that's a long time Mm -hmm. you know yeah absolutely so let's um talk a little bit about current events where and I don't know how to pronounce this young lady's name Mm -hmm. it's the model who just passed from cancer okay and I saw that you I saw that you um you amongst many people yeah um how do you pronounce how do you pronounce her name I uh, Krizeda okay okay I think so just for the listeners there is this beautiful woman a beautiful woman just turned 40 yes. who died yes. from stomach cancer mm-hmm. like two days ago mm-hmm. and now, I did not know anything about her I was I only have become aware of her in her passing yes so but I have gone through her her um, her feeds and I've listened to the people who talk about her and I kind of get an idea of what happened so she's like a model she's a blogger yes yes a blogger yes. a model I think she's Dominican she lived yes. in New York yes and absolutely. was a big part of fashion and she just killed the game she really like did. I was looking at some absolutely. of her pictures right mm-hmm. so as time went on it's just only and she just turned 40 and she just has a little baby yeah which is you know sad as well um but she just was diagnosed with cancer just in November yeah and she just thought that she had bloating. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, those of you who, who've been in the sanctuary and those of you who may be new, you know that I always base things on nutrition. Mm-hmm. Like my foundation is nutrition and mm-hmm. then bringing in people who nurture and nourish you in different ways. Yes. Right. And so then I look at such a beautiful young woman yes. and how could she have gotten attracted a stomach cancer like that but Mm -hmm. when you look at the pictures Mm -hmm. and you look at what it looks like life was Mm -hmm. cool with cool pocketbooks and cool shoes Mm -hmm. and cool things Mm -hmm. how do you get that and then how you know I saw where she put so she she was just talking about guys I'm in the hospital and I have I had stomach ache and I thought it was just bloating and then like two three days later she says I have stomach cancer Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to figure it out and I'm afraid yes and then there's another post a few times ahead where it says, um, I'm going to start chemo, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then it shows her whole journey from, I guess, November, December, yes. all the way until recently where she goes from a vibrant, colorful, beautiful, thick little lady mm-hmm. until this skeleton. Yes. And she's actually laying in the bed a lot the last few days and mm-hmm. someone videotaped her. I don't know, yes. but she's telling us to go, go. for it. Yep. So you have that part. So expand about, about like what does she actually say? And let's just talk about that because mm-hmm. you know, you got your second book. Yes. You chose to be authentic. Listen. I'm in the process <laughs> of just since last night, like I couldn't even really sleep thinking yes. about her because I really just thought it's, you know, noticed her two days ago yes. and just diving in and then just figuring like the chemo, like how oh, nobody juiced her. Nobody mm-hmm. gave her some other things to try to help her. And just like black women and brown women, that's us. Mm-hmm. She's under 40. We are dying. Yes. And just ways that we can kind of address that mm-hmm. and not go down that path. I believe that's her path. She's blessed so many people in how I guess she um, was very positive and and all those things. But like, tell us what she said. I know that you wrote it down. Yes. And then let's just talk about how we can do what she said for us to do. Yes. She said, go do it. 
don't wait for another day or another hour. And she went on um, from there. But that to me was confirmation. Yes. You know, it's just like, that's where I am. That is where I am. I decided to, you know, do a small little tour for my book. And I'm just like, I've been thinking about this for a while, even before releasing the book. And I'm just like, what can I do to, you know, promote myself in different cities? And I promise you, it's been like a year or two Mm -hmm. since I've written down that I wanted to do a small little living room tour. And I just decided to release the Atlanta dates the other day. And I was just like, when I saw that, I'm like, confirmation. Confirmation. You know, that's that gentle Mm -hmm. nudge to, Mm -hmm. you know, help push you into your destiny. And we don't know, you know, what she's really here for. Like her beautiful pictures, yes. You know, visuals, yes. But that last statement right there, you know, it's like, you know, it says the song is like, if I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living will not be in vain and I don't believe that her living was in vain even if somebody just saw that one little clip so many people are posting that one little clip so thank you thank you Miss Rodriguez I I definitely so right when I was looking at that one of my friends posted about her Mm -hmm. and must have been following her the whole time yes and I I um saw her post that and right when I was kind of like supposed to be doing my stuff right Mm -hmm. that I'm like on online Mm -hmm. looking around distracted not doing what I'm supposed (laughs) to do you know been down the rabbit hole Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. on Instagram or whatever and then I saw that video yes now I'm supposed to be submitting a resume for a a position Mm -hmm. that I have an interview for tomorrow okay and I was a little nervous about it and I think that my um I think that my resistance was that I felt like maybe I couldn't do it mm-hmm. and that I wasn't prepared for it or wasn't ready yes. for it. And then when I saw that, now mind you, the visual of this listeners is that she's laying in the bed. Yes. A tube. skeleton, yes. a tube in her nose. Mm-hmm. She's crying a little bit mm-hmm. and her hair is pretty much shaven. Mm-hmm. Now before she was the fashion icon. So now we see the transformation Absolutely. and she's just like, just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. And so I hit the send button on my resume. <laughs> yes. I got my interview tomorrow at 2.30. Yes. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. just do it. It's go time. And yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's it was beautiful. And I pray for her family. And I pray Absolutely. for her little baby. And yes. I pray for her mom, who she talked about on her blog all the time. And I just pray that for you to just do it. Yes. And you are going to blow your your tour out of the water. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to blow out this interview yes, tomorrow and absolutely. it's just really important that we know that we can. Absolutely. And that there's nothing to hold us back but yes. ourselves. Yes. And that's love right there. Yes. That's a diet of love. If absolutely. if you want a a actual thing to do to mm-hmm. love yourself and pour love into yourself. Yes. Just do it. Just Whatever your heart it. desires. Yes, absolutely. The foundation of my tour is when God told Abram to just go without knowing where he was going, without knowing if the resources would be there. There was a promise, but there were no instructions. There was no like complete book on what we no map on what you were gonna do. It's just you go. Right. You go. So okay. So, Miss Lily, thank you so much yes. for coming. So let, let's talk about where the people can find you and follow you okay. on all of the socials and then talk about how we can find your both of your books. OK, you can find me on Facebook by searching The Beautiful Dawn or The Love Diet. I'm also on there as I am Lily Wilson. I am L-I-L-I Wilson. I'm on IG as I am Lily Wilson and Twitter as I am Lily Wilson. And you can um, request to be a part of the Love Diet private group or you can just follow the the public group. Okay, so you actually have a private group where you'll be sort of like doing what? Well, in the private group is for those who have purchased and purchased the book and they are ready to really delve in and we kind of support each other while we're doing the process. I'm actually doing one 60-day process. I'm not going to make it a habit, but I'm going to do it. Okay. Yes. And um, do you have any last words? We have two minutes left. Um, I just want um, everybody to know that both books will, will be and are available on Amazon. Okay. And... I want to just encourage everybody to go. You don't have to know all the details. All you have to have is a vision and tenacity. Just go. 
Yes, absolutely. That's beautiful. And I'm living that right now. Absolutely. Like I had this vision of the Goddess Awakening and Healing Sanctuary two years ago. Yes. And it took a minute. So Mm -hmm. don't be discouraged if it doesn't like and I just had something that I wanted to do something. I didn't know what it was. Yes. But don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen in the timing that you think. Absolutely. It took me two years of doing different things, loving myself, planting my garden and getting my check, you know, <laughs> doing all these different yes. things that I was doing. And it has brought me to this beautiful place. And I don't know what's next, but I do know that. I'm excited about it, yes. and I am enthusiastic about it, yes. and I'm so hopeful, and I'm I'm learning that grit, gratitude is one of the nutrients that we're missing out on. Yes. yes, gratitude changes the stress levels, and it increases the red blood cells, it increases the immunity, it does all different types of things. So I am grateful. Yes, and I'm grateful for you for yes. being here. I'm grateful for you, and I just wanted to um, just let you know. For the listeners, I'm glad that you're here. And thank you for listening to The Sanctuary. And please follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and goddess-awaken.com to follow this love revolution. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes.